are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today is Monday, November 1st, 2021. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great Halloween. I am your host, Tiny Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E, G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more. Also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. New episode dropping for our Tier 2s and 3s later today. So if you want to hear that, visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information and help us get to 80 patrons. It's Mailbag Monday here on Locked On Mariners. We'll be answering your Mariners questions that you submitted to us on Twitter. And if you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Colby, we're going to start this thing off with what everyone's talking about right now with Kyle Seeger, of course. Kyle Seeger, of course, was uh, made aware that he will not have his club option picked up via email. And, and, and that was the headline, at least. But there's more information that's been uh, given out about how that all went down. And we have a question about that from Harry DePoto at H DePoto on Twitter. Was the Seeger not answering Jerry's phone call thing blown out of proportion? Because, of course, in the report, Seeger did not answer any of Jerry DePoto's calls or the front office calls, and that's why they ended up sending the email. Uh, Depo- uh, Harry DePoto, uh, <laughs> this is going to be hard to, uh, to di- differentiate the two, the meme account and the real Jerry DePoto, but Harry DePoto on Twitter uh, added, also, do you guys really think Seeger intentionally didn't pick up the phone when DePoto called him, or is there any chance that he just didn't see the calls and decided not to return them? So, yes, this has been blown out of proportion. Yes, well, in terms of the blame being put on Jerry DePoto in the front office solely, you know, everyone's quick to curse the Seattle Mariners organization because they're the easy target here, and Kyle Seeger is the 10-year veteran that you know, is one of the few success stories in this organization coming up through the organization, becoming an all-star, gold glover, all these things. But yes, uh, this has been blown out of proportion from the Seeger side of things. That uh, it's none of the blame goes to Seeger. I I really respect Ryan Divish and the reporting that he does. But the way that he worded that tweet, because the article leads to a website that's behind a paywall, to an article that's behind a paywall on the Seattle Times, not everyone got the full story. So they just assumed the Mariners completely disrespected Kyle Seeger in the situation, which was not the case. They made several attempts to get a hold of him via phone call, and those attempts were denied. So, Colby, to answer Harry DePoto's question, uh, do you think uh, that Seeger intentionally didn't answer those calls or was it just a matter of circumstance? Um, I don't know. And I don't really care. One thing I, I do care about is that I'm pretty darn sure. I know who told Ryan Divish that the option was de- officially declined via email. And that mm-hmm. was Kyle Seeger. So I don't really care if he accidentally missed the phone calls or not. He told Divish what happened, right? Mm-hmm. I think yep. we can all agree that that's what happened. Either his, he or his agent, either way, that's not something his agent does without Kyle's permission. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so that to me kind of negates this whole, well, is it possible that Kyle just really didn't see the call or maybe he didn't have his phone on him, which seems a bit far-fetched in 2021, but you know, Seager's an Mm -hmm. old school guy. So maybe, um, it doesn't matter because Kyle Seager purposely leaked that to try and make the Mariners look bad. And Divish, who, like you said, I respect a great deal. He intentionally worded that tweet the way he did. He got Mm -hmm. exactly the reaction he wanted. Uh, Kyle Seager got exactly the reaction he wanted. And there was no, there was no, um, unintended consequence for how Divish reported that or how, uh, Seager told Divish that that that's how it went down. Um, that was all perfectly planned by Kyle to try and make the organization look bad. And, and, you know, Divish decided that he wanted clicks in an interaction instead of, you know, putting out a, a realistic tweet. Um, the annoying thing is, is that he waited 45 minutes to add the little bit about, well, they tried to call him, but you know, he didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Waited 45 minutes after the original tweet to put that up. That's bad. reporting. Yeah, by I, Divish. I found out via screenshot of the article. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's bad reporting by Divish, especially when he knows his stuff is behind a paywall. Um, you know, it, it's you don't have to give away the whole story, but that is that it's just it's bad reporting. It's uh, a it's a very key detail here when you have framed it as if the Mariners have completely disrespected one of the right. legends of the organization. And they did, you know, they did. Um, but I understand the frustration when you just read that tweet sure. and take it at face value. Uh, you right. know what what the hell is going on here? Right. But, I don't blame I don't blame Mariner fans for reacting the way they did, at least, you know, most of them. Um, I put that solely on Divish, to be quite honest, um, you know, because Divish has a, a responsibility to uh, find out what actually happened, not just report the thing that he gets told by one side. What actually mm-hmm. happened? Oh, they notified me via email. Oh, I got to put that in. And then you wait 45 minutes before you clarify that. Well, they tried to call him, but he didn't answer yeah. their call. Well, that's that's pretty important, considering that the first report is always the one that gets the most uh you know, it gets the most interaction. It gets the most, you know, the most questions and thought provoking, you know, discussions and things like that. That's what kicks it all off is the first one. And he knows that because Divish isn't an, an idiot. You know, Kyle isn't an idiot. And it, it just, to me, it, this, this whole thing is, is, um, you know, more or less it, it's, it's Seeger kind of trying to burn the ground after he leaves. Um, and, you know, the Mariners kind of stuck there. They can't really say no. Like, I mean, what are they going to say? Come out and say, oh, Kyle Seeger's a liar. No, they're not going to do that. Yeah. There's no upside to well, this. Well, they just they want to be done with it. And they're going to be done with it in the coming yes. days. As soon as the World Series ends, they can, they can make this official. And, mm. um, and they're done with it. Um, and so, you know, and that's just where it needs to be. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with, you know, uh, Seeger's exit interview after the season ended. And saying that he hasn't talked to Depoto in years, and then Depoto coming out and saying, "Well, I talked to him this spring." And look, I have a very hard time believing Kyle Seager's side of that, because Jerry Depoto comes down to the field for batting practice and stuff. Naturally, he's going to run into Kyle Seager and talk to him at some point. That's just going to happen. I believe him when he says that they talked during the spring. I believe that there had been conversations between Depoto and Seager's agent about you know this option and where that could lead and, and how things could progress after the 2021 season and where the Mariners, you know, head was at really uh, with all of it. So there was obviously communication here and I just don't get what Seager is really doing, but 
it, it makes so much sense, right? Because Seager was the one that went to Divish after the Kendall Graveman trade. Yep. When, at, at the highest of the emotions of of the of the fallout of the Graveman trade and you know, wanted to let his feelings about Jerry DePoto public. And um, you know, said that Jerry DePoto's up in the front office just uh playing fantasy baseball and all this stuff, and he doesn't care about the, you know, the players and yada yada yada. That's a general manager's job is to make his team better. And he did mm-hmm. that with that trade, you know, and I know that, you know, ba- major league baseball players aren't in the clubhouse looking at fan graphs and figuring out, you know, which players are going to make their team better and blah, 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 blah. They're not doing that. You know, these are, you know, these are more personal situations for the players themselves, but still you have to understand the reality of, of this sport. And Kyle Seager did not understand that and handled that in, in a very, uncharacteristic and unprofessional way and continues to do so with the situation and continues to try to make it to, to frame it as if it's Depoto doing that, which is, it's weird. It's really weird. It's like, what is your vendetta against this guy? And I'm not saying that Jerry Depoto has come out of this smelling like roses either. I'm sure that he's made mistakes along the way here, but it feels like this is a very one-sided conflict that Seeger is trying to stretch out further and further and further and i'm just i'm not i'm I'm completely missing the point of why this is happening and why he feels the need to continue doing this mm-hmm. and, and continue stretching this out instead of just moving on right and it, i don't understand why divish is kind of playing along with it because again divish is a good reporter this is poor reporting this is irresponsible what he did and now it's led a lot of fans to believe that Jerry DePoto is the enemy here. The front office is the enemy here. And they have disrespected one of the great legends in Mariners history. And that's not the case at all. Nope. It's not. It, it, it comes off as extremely petty by Seeger. It comes off as extremely unprofessional by Ryan Divish. Um, and honestly, the Mariners... I, I don't look at them any differently today than I did yesterday or the day before because mm-hmm. I think they've handled it the only way they could. If you're not going to talk to us, we have to notify you. So we're going to email you and then we're going to call your agent because that's apparently the only way you'll talk to us. So, um, which is obviously planned. Seeger is, is, is pulling kind of a Richard Sherman here and he's trying to uh, basically legacy protect and make it look like he was never at fault for anything. Um mm-hmm. And it's 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 BS, and I, I'll never look at Seager the same way. Um, yeah. Still respect him. And look, yeah. we've we've also heard things about how Seager handled this this year, right? In yeah. general, and how he was in the clubhouse, and how he was with the vaccine and the and all the mandates and all that stuff. And yeah. uh, and you know, there's a laundry list of things that we could talk about here with Kyle Seager that has changed my personal feelings about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably get into that more as the off season goes along. But real quick, want to remind you. This episode of Locked on Mariners is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. 
And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Again, we are free and available on all platforms. So let your friends, family, all those folks out there who are Mariner fans and are excited about this incredible opportunity here in this offseason for the Mariners to really kick things into high gear and start competing for the playoffs. Uh, Tell them to check us out here on Locked On Mariners. We're going to have a lot of fun offseason content for you on this show and we're going to continue here with mailbag monday answering more questions we got a little bit behind there talking about the secret situation because there's just so much to unpack there and we'll probably talk about it more uh, over the coming days uh, but let's get to a question here from josh games at just underscore josh g outside of kelnick gilbert julio jp and ty france do you guys see any other players or prospects as truly quote unquote untouchable and potential deals this winter? Well, the first thing is no one is really untouchable, but there's certainly guys that are going to be harder for other teams to acquire than others. Um, so outside of those guys, I believe there's five guys that you mentioned here. Um, Colby, you know, anyone else that stands out to you? Uh, maybe a Noel V. Marte or a George Kirby or someone like yeah, uh, none of those guys are untouchable. In fact, I would move Kelnick for probably a lot less than other people think. Um, would I move Kelnick for Brian Reynolds? Yeah, I would. Um, mm. So I, I don't think Gilbert. Now, in terms of like who's who's like the least likely to get traded this winter? Yeah, these these five guys are probably way up on the list, and I would throw George, George Kirby on that list as well. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I could literally see anybody get traded off of this roster. Um, so yeah, the five guys you listed, I don't think they're untouchable at all. Um, but to answer the question in, in the spirit, the question was asked. Um, yeah, I think it's these five guys and, and probably Kirby and that's it. So yeah, uh, I would anybody, agree with you on that. Yeah. Anybody's on the table. Mm-hmm. And we had heard or we were told, I, I forget, but um, you know, Kirby is probably one of those untouchable guys. Like they're, they're, it's going to take a lot for them to move yeah. off of them. But still, if there's an opportunity to get, a, you know, a perennial MVP candidate or something like that, that's going to, you know, and the, and the thing that's going to shift that deal in, in your favor is including George Kirby, then you got to do it uh, right. because it's all about, you know, making this team better and, and capitalizing at the opportunity at hand, which, you know, I talked about just a moment ago with, you know, this is a great opportunity to turn things around and, and compete for the playoffs and, and maybe even more in 2022. So uh, you got to be aggressive. And, uh, you know, if it comes to the point where, hey, you know, the difference between getting Brian Reynolds is possibly Jared Kelnick, you got to at least consider it. And it, w- it would be irresponsible not to really. Yep. So uh, next question comes from Daisy Dingo at. Uh, Daisy underscore Dingo. What would a trade package for Josh Donaldson look like? And is a is it a good idea? Would uh, wouldn't have to give up a huge prospect haul because of Donaldson's contract? That is true. And Colby, you actually have a trade that you've specifically crafted for our offseason plan. I don't know if we're going to be using it or not. It doesn't seem like that's the direction we're going. But he was in your personal offseason plan. So what was that idea? Yeah. So uh, you know. Donaldson does do a lot of things very well. He's a better player than Kyle Seager. That's not really up for debate. Um, and Seattle obviously needs a third baseman for next year. 
so yeah, Donaldson is the guy I looked at, and I, I think there's a, a deal that could be made there. Uh, but like you mentioned, the contract is is something else. I, I think we're looking at 51 million guaranteed over the next two years. Um, that's that's a lot. So for a 36 year old Donaldson, so the idea I had was to uh, trade Yusei Kikuchi and a, a good prospect, um, somebody like Levi Stout, someone in that range. Uh, to the Twins for Donaldson and about six million bucks. Um, when you subtract the six million dollars, now Donaldson is owed forty-five million over the next two years. But then you subtract the thirteen million, you're going to have to pay Kikuchi, assuming he picks up that option, and you're looking at two years at roughly thirty-five million dollars, um, give or take. So is is Josh Donaldson worth two and thirty-five to you? Yeah, I think he probably is, um, you know, depending on what else you do. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the idea it's, is you give Minnesota a, a shot to develop Yusei Kikuchi into something that you couldn't quite figure out. Um, you also, you know, free up $35 million of payroll uh, from the Twins over the next two years. Uh, and you get your, your third base upgrade without having to pay him uh, really what he's worth. He's probably worth that $22, 23000000 million a year. Uh, but he is 36. So that's a way to just kind of have the best of both worlds. Yeah. And obviously Josh Donaldson this year, 99th percentile on average exit velocity, 93rd percentile on max exit velocity, 95th percentile on hard hit rate, 92nd percentile on X Woba, you know, 92nd percentile on X slugging, 95th percentile on barrel percentage. You know, the, the guy was just uh, incredible when he was healthy. Let's talk about another third baseman. The Mariners almost, uh, or, or at least have shown interest in and that's Chris Bryant, uh, Curtis Christensen at courtesy baseball on Twitter asks, does the rumors coming out about almost trading for Chris Bryant and Brian Reynolds mean anything significant for the offseason? So, of course, Shannon Dreyer said that the Mariners explored the idea of trading for Chris Bryant. It seemed like they were pretty aggressive on that front. Uh, didn't get it done, of course. And then they also asked the Pirates at least a couple times about Brian Reynolds, but they were asked for Julio Rodriguez in return. And obviously those talks stalled because of that. But uh, to you, Colby, does the, like Curtis asked, does that mean anything significant to you heading into the winter? No. There, why is that? There's a big difference between asking about trading for a guy for two months Versus mm-hmm. giving him a five-year, you know, hundred fifty million dollar contract. Yeah, um, that's a huge difference. And and you know, we already knew that Seattle, at least you and I knew that Seattle had talked about Brian Reynolds. We knew that they had made they had made contact at least. Um, yeah. And we also know that center field is a huge priority for them. So that makes sense. And I would expect they go back to Pittsburgh again, and they give it another shot. But ultimately, I don't think they get something done. So no, and and I I also think Chris Bryant still makes sense, and I think Seattle's going to be interested in Bryant. It's just a matter of whether or not you can get him at the price you wanted to get him at. So yeah, uh, no, it, it really doesn't to me. These are two guys that I expect Seattle to be interested in again, and they're two positions that are still both positions of need. So no, it doesn't really change much for me. So we got a few more questions to answer in just a moment, but real quick, <laughs> man, can't talk today. It's the case of the Mondays. Uh, but real quick, we're going to remind you that this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them to go around. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, it's the perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it for once. 
One slice of pie has an upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end if you're lucky. Meanwhile, most built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. So replace the coconut cream pie with coconut built Bar, or go for a raspberry built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. There are lots of good flavors to replace any pie or any other unhealthy, fattening dessert. Low calories, low carbs, low fat, high protein covered in 100% real chocolate built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward, I promise you. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't even tried a built Bar yet. New surprises all month, limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. And of course, there's nothing like a built Bar Black Friday. So mark your calendar, Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, got a few more questions here to go over. Let's start with Damian Grubbs at Grubbs Damian on Twitter, who asks uh, for some outfield targets either in the free agent uh, market or trade market for the Mariners. Who uh, who out there jumps out to you, Colby? Well, uh, Brian Reynolds for one. Um, yep. <laughs> Michael Conforto in free agency seems like a very uh, obvious target for Seattle. There's also guys like Tommy Pham and, and Mark Canna who are you know, probably more fourth outfielders at this stage, but you, Hey, what do you know? You need one of those too. Um, you know, got other guys like Brandon Nimmo, uh, could make sense if you can you know, convince the the Mets to trade him away. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a great outfield class. Um, to be perfectly honest, it's particularly weak at center field, which is, is a problem. Um, so yeah, if Seattle wants a significant upgrade at center field, it's probably going to have to be via trade because I don't see them going all in on Starling Marte. Um, so guys like Byron Buxton and Brian Reynolds and, and uh, you know, even a guy like Brandon Nimmo maybe uh, in the center field spot. And then the corner spots, you're looking at, you know, Michael Conforto, you're looking at Tommy Pham, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Mark Canna. You know, it, you're just, that's kind of what you're looking at. It's not a particularly great class of outfield bats this year. And then, of, of course, you know, Chris Bryant can play in the outfield if you want to do that. Yeah. Um, there's also um, Chris Taylor, of course. Yeah. Um, AJ Pollock, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a guy that, if you look at his numbers, a lot better than you would think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there's options out there. It's just there aren't a ton of obvious options i think the one guy that's kind of obvious quote unquote is conforto uh mm-hmm. he's not going to accept his qualifying offer that he's expected to get from the mets uh obviously has pacific northwest ties uh mariner fan growing up and all that good stuff so there's going to be interest from him from him presumably in at least coming to seattle but they're you know he's not going to take a discount or anything like that the history there is not going to you know help the mariners necessarily but it, it does get the conversation you know maybe the ball rolling on that front uh let's uh let's talk about uh another question here from eli sellers at eli sellers 24 on twitter uh do you think the potential lockout on december 1st will increase or decrease the amount of moves in november also how long do we think the lockout could last a week a month through spring training what do we think um so i think it's going to increase trades uh, I have no idea how the free agent market is going to go. Uh, I don't know how 
agents and players are going to react if they're going to want to scramble to get a deal done. The problem is you're running the risk here, and this and this goes into the duration of the lockout, where the lockout could go into March, and then as soon as the lockout ends, everyone's scrambling to get signed. There's you know hundreds of free agents trying to get signed, all in the matter of you know all in the span of like three weeks. So you don't want to get lost there as well in the crowd, but. Um, I do think that there's going to be an increase in trades. I think a lot of teams are going to try to get stuff done. Uh, and I think the Mariners specifically are going to try to get a lot of stuff done in the month of November as much as they can through the trade market. What do you think, Colby? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the trades are going to be uh, coming fairly fast and furious. Um, free agency, I think most of the, the big names will, will wait. Um, so I feel like, you know, if you're, if you're hoping that Simeon or Bryant signs in November or story or whoever, I, I think they're probably going to wait until a new CBA uh, gets, gets done because why not? I mean, you're not going to get a worse deal, right? Like I can't imagine the players are going to accept something that, that, you know, will cost them money this year. Um, maybe, but maybe. probably not. So to me, it's, it's. I think it's trades. I, I think trades are going to be, you know, flying pretty frequently. Free agents mm. probably just some one year deal type of guys. Uh, in terms of how long the lockout goes, it doesn't sound like they're all that close, and there's not yeah. exactly any momentum. So, if it starts December two, my guess is is that it's going to be at least until Christmas, and they're probably going to break for Christmas. So, I mean, the whole week of Christmas, they're probably not going to do anything. Um, so I think there's a very real chance that spring training gets pushed back even a couple of weeks, um, or we lose a couple of weeks of, of spring training games. Um, it just, it doesn't sound like there's really any forward momentum there. So, uh, you kind of have to brace for a long lockout and yeah. just, just hope that you're wrong. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully the owners or yeah, hopefully the owners are, are, well, that's not going to happen. Hopefully the players have, you know, a backbone <laughs> and they stand up for things that matter and they do that without throwing uh, minor leaguers and, and amateur baseball under the bus like they have the last few rounds of this. So um, mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. But it's uh, I, I'm not too optimistic that they get anything done before Christmas, to be honest. All right. Aiden's got a question here at SFNE58. Who would be the best fit pitcher the Mariners could get in free agency? So the best fit for any of these free agent pitchers, I'm going to go Marcus Simeon here because I think he's a great fit for the clubhouse. Doesn't provide the strikeouts that the Mariners necessarily need in their rotation, uh, but he's a great, great fit in just in terms of he's he's going to produce. There's you know something that you can you can trust in that you can count on there. He's going to be a three three and a half F four pitcher. And he's going to fit really well with your clubhouse, which is going to be a huge part of what Jerry DePoto targets this offseason. What about you, Colby? I wasn't aware Marcus Simeon was a pitcher, but um, did I say Marcus Simeon? I meant you, to say Marcus Stroman. I, I think we know who you. I think we know who you meant. But I got, um, I got a, I got a case of the Mondays, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Kevin Gossman, just in terms of just raw fit, not necessarily contract wise. Um, he misses the bats that you want want him to miss, and you kind of need him to miss. Um, you know, good stuff. Doesn't walk guys, throws a ton of strikes, misses a ton of bats. 
just overall a good pitcher. He struggled a bit in the second half there, and he does throw a ton of splitters and sliders, which do put extra stress on shoulders and elbows. So uh, there are some concerns there, but I, I just the miss bat thing um, is is what's keeping me from from saying Stroman. Um, yeah. If Stroman was even a nine K per nine guy, then he would be my obvious answer. But he's he's seven point eight type of guy, and that's you got a lot of those guys already. So I'll go with Gossman. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question here from Roshan Bratt at Mariners fans one two three four. Uh, does Cal Raleigh have a place on the twenty twenty two roster? Not on opening day, but hopefully, uh, you know, sometime in the sum- summer. We'll see. Um, what about you, Colby? Uh, I, I just I, I think it's it's pretty clear that Raleigh needs to start the year in AAA, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Does he have a place on the twenty twenty two roster? I mean, maybe somewhere in June, July, August. Yeah. Um, on opening day, absolutely not. You you cannot go into next season with Cal Raleigh on your twenty six man roster. Start yeah. the year. It's just that that would be bad for the player, bad for the team, bad for everybody involved. Uh, he needs uh, he needs time, and there's nothing wrong with giving it to him. All right, so we actually have one other question. I uh, overlooked this uh, from Bridget at Biscuit717 on Twitter. Hey, I think you said the Padres are probably candidates to get Simeon. Now that Bob Melvin has gone there, does that help them even more or help other teams, or does it matter at all? Of course, Simeon played for Bob Melvin for a few years in Oakland. Uh, what do you think about this, Colby? Do you think uh, this gives the Padres a chance to get Simeon? For me personally, I don't think that there's really a fit there for Simeon and San Diego. They have a lot of infielders there. Here's what I would say about that. Um, how mm-hmm. serious are they about moving Tatis off a shortstop? Was that just right. because he kept hurting his shoulder? Um, because they can't really move Simeon to third or Tatis to third because, you know, Manny Machado's there. Um mm. They Obviously, could also have Adam Frazier. They have Jake Cronenworth. So, right. But if you want, like, if Tat, if you think Tatis can play second, you just put Tatis at second. You put uh, Stroman at short, and then Adam Frazier. Simeon, you you did the opposite of what I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Simeon, but whatever. You said Stroman. <laughs> I don't think so. You put Simeon at you put Simeon at short. You put Tatis at second. Um, Cronenworth plays first, and I think we can all agree that DH is probably coming to the National League. Um, in this round yeah. of negotiations. So they're going to have an open spot. So I think actually it does increase their odds of getting Simeon. Um, I think there could be a fit. And worst case scenario, you just trade Adam Frazier, who, by the way, we know the Mariners had interest in, both in the winter and at the trade deadline. So And they happen to also need a second baseman. Just you know, put two and two together there. Um, yeah. So I think it does increase their odds. And again, you know, Stroman is a California guy. He's a uh, more of a Bay Area guy, but you know, said Southern Stroman California. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Simeon <laughs> is, uh, again, he's a California guy, right? Bay Area. Yeah. So this would be going down south, but I mean, it's kind of hard to compete with San Diego weather. So uh, I think it does help them. Uh, do I think he ultimately signs there? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they also have help. a lot of payroll on the books right now. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and they're not a team that's going to go out and spend $200 million. They've never mm-hmm. been that. So, yeah, I think ultimately it, it, it helps them, but I don't think it's likely. But on the off chance it does, you know, he does go and sign with San Diego. Adam Frazier or Drake, Jake Cronenworth might become available and both make a lot of sense for the Mariners. Yeah, indeed. And we, uh, we're we definitely Jake Cronenworth stands 
over here. So uh, that would be my preferred choice of the two. (laughs) So uh, that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making Locked On Mariners your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back tomorrow with Mock Trade Tuesday, looking at all of the ridiculous Mariners trade proposals on BaseballTradeValues.com. Should be a interesting time we'll say now make your second listen of the day locked on mlb where paul francis sullivan and please call him sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues present and past it's free and available on all platforms just like us have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow